On a Zoom with me is an internationally renowned award-winning film editor and VFX specialist. So everything that you think is real is not. But we're going to find out all about it. I'm probably going to butcher his name. I'm going to try my best. Zayas Tomov? Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you too. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how badly did I butcher your name now? Oh, um... One be, uh, being the best or being the worst? One being the worst. Um, I, I guess around seven. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. not a bad start. Okay, so you don't no. hate me yet? That's good. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay, so tell me, um, there is a reason that I'm interviewing a Bulgarian-born, Berlin-based editor because you're working on a South African project, but we're going to get into that. First things first, talk to me a little bit about you. Who are you? Where are you from? Well, I was born in Bulgaria, and um, when I was 19, uh, I moved to Germany uh, to study. And um, at first, uh, I was studying something more theoretical, but at some point, uh, I mean, it, it came to me where I, I realized um, I'm more into the practical stuff, and I didn't want to go to work in a uh, some social research <laughs> institute so I got uh, into film production um, and um, that was about 11 years ago um, and then first I started to um, do some small gigs as assistant editor uh, and then editing short films uh, then I uh, got my first feature in uh, 2014 uh, had um, of course, in between corporate and commercial projects, like everybody else. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> the last maybe like three years, I'm starting also to get more into development because I noticed um, I don't only want to work um, on a project when everything else is already done and settled, but uh, to have a say from the very beginning. Okay. I... Um... I was I was reading a little bit about you and then obviously not understanding what what goes into video editing and film editing and VFX and all of that. It's a world within a world. There is so much that you guys do and and create for the rest of us. I think does that like do you live in a world separate from the rest of us because I feel like you guys see things differently. Well, in a matter of speaking, I guess, yes. Um, it is like you have to be able to think in pictures mm. um, when uh, it comes down to editing or VFX, uh, and you have to be able to imagine stories in pictures so you get things where they want to be. Um, some people think this is just uh, a technicality or, uh, you know, those are some nerds in, uh, in, uh, in their uh, rooms. They're closed in all day and they don't see the sunlight and things like that. But for me, <clears throat> editing also involved reading lots of books when I, wore, when I was a teenager uh, and a child. And I think that's where lots of it came from, because you have to have a love for storytelling. For story, you have to have a love for storytelling. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get into 
editing. Uh, this is the most important skill you have to master. And um, as uh, in terms of uh, VFX or visual effects, this is one thing um, that sometimes uh, is uh, controversial before uh, b because people say um, it's been used to cover up a bad story, but sometimes it is also necessary to be able to tell a good story. So it always comes down to how you use it. Um, and uh, this is also something you learn. With, with it. This is something that comes with experience um, because we have something like a gut feeling um, on how and when to use it. Tell me something. You you spoke um, in the release that I was sent about mm -hmm. editing being more than a technical profession. That you feel like a police investigator and a behavior analyst. How can you explain that to me? Because I find that fascinating, especially the behavioral part. Yeah, sure. For example, uh, when you edit a scene, let's just say a dialogue, and you have two people. Uh, having a conversation, uh, you have no, uh, you know, you're not only switching between those two in terms of editing, you have to evaluate what the emotional state is. Um, is it better to show someone speaking or is it better to show his uh, opposite uh, and the emotional reaction that is connected to it, what's been said? So... This is where the evaluation comes in. You have to be able to, when you see, to tell it uh, and uh, be able to decide which one you use uh, in the edit. And um, the other thing, when it comes down to storytelling, is uh, to be able to assess what is too much uh, and... Uh, when it is too little. So you have to be able to find the right balance because usually films, uh, when they're being shot, uh, there is much more material than it actually ends up in the final version of, uh, the, mo of, the, of the movie. And um, you, as an editor, are the person who is tasked with the selection, so to speak. And um, that is when this behavioral uh, analytic skills <laughs> come in and um, you just learn it because there is no, uh, there is no one who can teach you this. You have to learn it by yourself um, and this is what helps you to build up the story in the movie. No, I'm not sure if I, if I told it exactly where I wanted, but I no, think... I love yeah. the way that you explain it, but all, like it just, you have so much responsibility. You have so much responsibility because if you do it more to your vision than the director's vision or the writer's vision, surely that can get a bit complicated. Yes, that's where you have to uh, slip into your salesman role. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to sell it to the director first, and if he buys it, then the rest buys it too. Uh, 
and uh, this is also part of the psychological profile uh, you should be <laughs> able to build uh, around the director since um, you have to be able to guess what they actually want uh, and if they know what they want um, because sometimes indecisiveness can be a big problem so uh, this is also part of the uh, the psychological layer uh, when it comes down to editing it's not just what happens on the screen of the computer it's also what happens in front of the screen so you have to have these discussions um, and when the director gives a feedback about certain things you should be uh, able to actually feel um, if they are um, not sure uh, or if they, uh, if, if they are um, if they can uh, take the right decision and maybe convince them or help them mm. to reach a consensus. Um, or sometimes uh, you should be able also to feel when they are right and you are wrong <laughs> and retract your, <laughs> uh, your own editing, so to speak. Um, and uh, this is, all of this is, this is part of the, uh, how should I put it? Uh, the process. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me something. This seems like a very lonely profession because it's pretty much you and your equipment, your computer and your programs, um, and that's it, right? Yeah, regularly, this is the case. Um, sometimes you have the director or some producer sitting uh, beside you in the editing suite. But other than that, you are alone in your computer. And that's why, uh, for one, uh, it's important to have a social life <laughs> outside of the profession. Yeah. But I don't find it boring because when you uh, start editing, you just got swallowed by this, uh, but what's, what's happening on, on your screen um, and time just flies by. So it's not, it's not getting boring. Okay. Or lonely because you're busy all the time. Yeah. Um, how have you managed to have a social life and still be as social as you possibly can while doing this very isolated job in a pandemic where we were isolated already? Well, usually uh, what I do is uh, I use all my free time uh, for activities which don't happen at home. <laughs> so uh, I try to be outside as much as possible, uh, be it uh, at the gym or for other workouts or with friends um, or uh, just go eat with someone uh, or go for a walk. Everything that is that doesn't involve sitting in front of a computer, which means in my free time, uh, I also rarely watch uh, TV or anything else. Uh, obviously, I have some series or uh, or movies I watch, but I don't have the, uh, I don't consume the same amount uh, of um, media content uh, like lots of other people who just hang on their phones all the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was me that you were talking to, but it's fine. Drag <laughs> us. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the reason that um, you are on the show. You are working on a Netflix African original. 
series called Again. And um, you were working with Nizam Ackerman from Cape Town and Amanda Dlamini. Um, you guys are in development or you're filming? Where are you in the process? We are in development. What we have so far, we have a script for the pilot, okay. uh, outline uh, for the first 10 episodes. We have a pitch deck. Um, and right now what we're doing is... Um, trying to get uh, the right concept artist because uh, almost all of the things, uh, at least the visuals in the, in the concept, uh, just don't exist and everything has to be drawn or, uh, or sketched first and, and this from scratch. Uh, so it's also a lengthy process. Um, the same goes for costumes and um, stunts. Uh, there's quite of that too quite a lot of that too then yeah, the, the next step is when we have uh, the concept art uh, will be to um, um, apply for funding mm -hmm. and then uh, also find the right director because this is also something uh, that's very important for the pilot at least and one once this is done uh, and the pilot is finished we're going to have a pitch meeting uh, and then see if uh, it's going to get picked up. Okay. But this is a lot of work that goes into yeah. This is and a it, lot it, of work that goes into a TV show. Like we watch our favorite TV shows and we watch yeah. them, binge them in a weekend and then they're gone forever, right? Yeah. But we don't <laughs> appreciate the years and years and work and sweat and toil and frustration that you guys have gone through to give us this one weekend of binging. Um, I think this is the most important message. I think we need to really appreciate our series more. And I think we really need to savor them a little bit more than we do. But talk to me, tell me a little bit about the series again. Um, it's set 700 years in the future. Uh, what is it about? And how did this concept come up? Yeah, uh, it well, the, the concept, I will first tell you how the concept came about. Um, when I got introduced to Nizam uh, and we worked on some small projects, um, we also had lots of casual talk and um, he started to introduce me to all the uh, racial dynamics and identity issues in uh, different segments of the population in South Africa. And this started to get me more and more curious. Um, and at some point, we just uh, asked the question, uh, what's going to happen far into the future, not in the next 10, 20, 50 years, but really far down the road. Um, and we started to explore this uh, path. Uh, so at some point, this casual banter uh, turned into a rough story outline then uh, we got uh, the characters and the script and then it started uh, getting more and more precise uh, on itself again uh, is an afrofuturistic uh, sci-fi um, episodic drama um, we were very um determined uh, to keep it uh, authentic South African uh, and not just, um, uh, you know, do it uh, like usually the Americans uh, do it mm -hmm. from, from their point of view. Um, 
and uh, uh, how it is that uh, is that humanity um, is able to achieve groundbreaking program. Sorry, again. <laughs> so the whole idea is uh, that humanity um, is able to achieve groundbreaking scientific leaps, okay. yet it remains incapable and unwilling to resolve uh, ethnical, cultural, and, and um, racial conflicts. So basically, our lesser selves uh, have gotten the upper hand, um, and we can shake off the bad habits. So, um, because of this, uh, society kind of breaks down over the entire world, mm-hmm. um, and um, it's all grim dystopian setting. Uh, and uh, we decided to tell uh, our story in this world uh, and in the South African context. Um, usually, when there is when there are those kinds of conflicts, the story uh, evolves around uh, the conflict between black and white. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we decided also to explore the colored perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and this was the, it, or it is uh, one of the um, interesting thing about South Africa because we have the colored community and it's a very distinctive community. Mm-hmm. So we decided to uh, bring this, uh, or their side of, of things or their view uh, as, a, as an one uh, other or as one additional perspective in the story uh, and um, that's basically it wow i am i am just hoping that we get to see it this is something that i'd really really like to see because i feel like you guys are taking filmmaking in in this country to the next level um, and I think this is going to be something that we can all be very proud of um, and celebrate, especially with something like Netflix behind it. Um, from from conceptual, from where you are now in development and conceptualizing a series to filming and editing to the first episode going live on on a streaming platform, what does that timeline generally look like? Like, what are you what are you in for when you start this process? Um, it has lots of unknowns. <laughs> uh, one of it is obviously always funding, but sometimes, as it's in our case, it turned out, for example, that um, the costumes, uh, the I mean, the the making of the costumes, uh, and also the effects, uh, they're going to uh, take much longer than anticipated. Mm. Uh, so this obviously pushes the whole timeline of the pilot further back uh, and um, usually if you have the financial means uh, uh, and um, manpower uh, producing one of those seasons take about uh, one year um, but that involves hundreds of people working uh, and uh, millions of uh, budget. Uh, for the pilots, um, we have uh, it's uh, 30 minutes long uh, as, as of now. Um, and we hope you can um, film it uh, early next year yeah. when it's summer and uh, you can shoot outside and then maybe complete it by uh, next fall. 
uh, and then um, with some luck, uh, if it gets green lighted, uh, then production of season one um, can start. Uh, obviously, this is the current timeline. Things can change, uh, but we are trying to stick to it and uh, hopefully it, it will go as planned. I'm holding thumbs for you and I'm sending all the good energy your way. Yeah, thank gonna, you very much. We're going to make it happen. Okay, <laughs> last question. For someone who wants to be in an industry like yourself, um, who's listening now, they've got to choose subjects and university courses and all of the things. What would you recommend the first steps into becoming a VFX and film editor? Well, the f- I would recommend that um, this person should first uh, go and, and spend a couple of days on a set uh, and then uh, just watching what other people are doing, even if it's a small project, uh, and then spend a couple of days or maybe uh, do an internship for two to three months in a post-production house or just helping out someone else who is... Um, uh, working uh, in that field and then um, evaluate for themselves if this is something they want to do <clears throat> and if they do the first thing they should start doing even before they uh, attend a university or a college or whatever is start networking and uh, looking for contacts who can help them in the future uh, because this is the most important thing this is uh, more crucial than any degree you can obtain uh, because that's where uh, all the jobs are coming from. It's all mouth-to-mouth propaganda, so to speak, um, and uh, personal recommendations and so on and so on. So the sooner someone starts that process, the sooner uh, it's going to uh, bear fruits. That is very good advice. And I think that's good advice for most things in life. You've got to make the connections and find the mentors in order to get your foot in the door. And once your foot's in the door, you can blow them away with your skills, but you have to get your foot in the door somehow. (laughs) Listen, this has been incredibly, incredibly informative. I am now going to think, I think I'm going to watch everything with a different eye. And I'm going to appreciate it so much more because I know how much time it's taken you as an artist to create these worlds that I live in when I watch Netflix. Um, But also you've reminded me the importance of stepping away from it sometimes too. So thank you for your wisdom. Um, Okay. So other than that, is there somewhere that we can follow you that we can um, find you on Instagram or Facebook or something to follow your adventures and see what's happening with after. Yeah, I have an Instagram and it has a very uh, easy to remember handle. Okay. Uh, it's called ask the editor. And then you have the uh, down slash in between the words. <laughs> ask underscore the underscore editor. Yeah. Ask the, uh, ask the editor. Got and it. then, yeah. I'm going to put that, I'll put that in the, in the article as well. Um, Good luck with your project. I am sending, like I said, all of the positive energy and I hope to see it very, very soon. Um, Thank you for chatting to me. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking your time. And uh, I certainly hope 
uh, that if the series um, and when the, the series come out, we can chat again uh, and talk a little bit more about it. That is a deal. That's yeah. a deal. I have that. I have that on tape now. Hey, so that's a deal. That's a promise now. <laughs> that's a promise I intend to keep. Okay. 